Media Masters with Paul Blanchard. Welcome to Media Masters, a series of one-to-one interviews with people at the top of the media game. However, I was definitely not top of the media game this week, as technical problems with our audio equipment meant that the recording didn't quite meet our usual high standards, and so my questions have been re-recorded. We were at the BBC's new broadcasting house to meet Debbie Ramsey, editor of BBC Radio 1 and One Extra Newsbeat. The flagship news programme has a weekly audience of around 8 million 16 to 24-year-olds, with between 8 and 14 million views online, through articles, videos and social media. Debbie joined the BBC in 2006 and has exclusively served young audiences for more than a decade, covering everything from celebrity news to documentaries showcasing young people's potential. She is also chair of the BBC's Digital Apprenticeship Scheme, which mentors young journalists at the start of their careers. I apologise to Debbie for the poor quality of this recording and to our listeners. We hope it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the podcast too much. So, Debbie, 16 to 24-year-olds are a traditionally hard-to-reach audience group. How are you doing it? Well, Newsbeat has always done it. We've been about for 45 years now. So we've tried and tested, um, I think, probably every method going and really just settled on the simple fact that you speak to people simply and clearly in their own language and you talk about subjects that matter to them and you help explain the world for them and I think if you do that without patronising them then you're in a good place to attract young people. Could you talk us through a typical day editing Newsbeat? Editing the programme kind of and and online and social media we kind of start the day all together really so we'll have an ideas meeting first thing and everybody just chips in whatever they want to chip in what they've seen and most importantly it's about treatments so you know it might be that the subject of the day is Brexit we need to talk about how we are going to explain it for a young audience so we try not to just have a meeting whereby we're all showing off what we know and we try and ask the question what would our audience be interested in Uh, what should they be interested in Uh, and also look at kind of stories that apply to their lives as well um, that reflect their lifestyles and their views uh, and think about how we get that across and what the news angles are for our audience specifically so we'll we'll ask for example you know would a 23 year old in Hull care about this story and if they don't how can we make them care about this story or should they care about this story and if they don't care about this story what is the story that they're talking about today because there is a patronizing view amongst some older commentators that you have to dumb down stories to get young people interested in the news and i've found that that's clearly not true absolutely not true Um, i think if you if you look at newspapers i started in newspapers and if you look at it's far easier to write for a broadsheet publication with lots of words than it is to write for a tabloid publication. So you try and sum a story up in uh, 15 to 20 words in the first line. That's what the, <laughs> that's what those papers do day in, day out. And it, 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 there's a real skill to telling the news simply and getting all the main points across. Um, so it's not dumbing down at all. It's just speaking to people clearly and plainly and not putting on any ears and graces. Is there a newsbeat way of doing things? A newsbeat way of covering a story? I guess it is just thinking about, first and foremost, as a reporter, do I understand that? And if I don't understand it, then I shouldn't be repeating it on air, shouldn't be copying something, um, and I shouldn't be putting something out on air that I don't understand. So the starting point has to be, 
do I understand it? And, you know, would would somebody in our audience understand every word of that and what that means? And it's it's about your tone and about just not treating people as as idiots really just because they might not get a certain topic or understand a really long word like superfluous or something you just don't use it it's it's cut out the jargon and talk to people simply as you would to to a mate really whatever age you are you don't talk to a mate in jargon you just talk to them as a normal person I'm showing my age now, but I used to much prefer BBC News round to the main bulletin because John Craven actually took the time to explain the background to the stories, that rather than just assuming that we knew the rich history of the conflict between these two countries, and I don't. It's all, it's all about context, and I think the BBC as a whole is getting better at that, um, but it, it's something that we've always done. It's it's high up on the list. How are we going to explain, explain it, and what is the context of this? Where does this story fit in in the world and how does it explain the world around them? Because young people, your listeners, are incredibly curious about the world. I imagine that rather than trying to attract their interest, it's actually the opposite, that they are inundating you with an abundance of interesting stories. They surprise me all the time, and I've been at Newsbeat a long time and been working with young audiences for over a decade now, and they still surprise me with their intelligence and their curiosity, and they really aren't like how I think a lot of people might think young people are you know just celeb driven and not really much about them and actually the opposite is true they care about their health they care about their mental well-being they care about being being successful they care about working they care about uh, their jobs they care about other people in the world they care about um, injustice you know they, there's a wide range of of topics that um, I think Newsbeat had covered for years before anybody else even touched them, uh, which are really serious topics like self-harm, uh, mental health in young people. We've been doing that for years before it became not not trendy, but before it became recognised as it should be recognised and, and really quite mainstream to talk about um, mental health problems. Um, you know, we, we don't just focus on on celebrity driven news although if there is a news story to be told about uh, a celebrity of course we will do it but we don't just do it frivolously you know it's that uh, we were one of the first people on the Jussie Smollett story um, and that's a that's a really interesting intricate story and there are lots of stories um, like that around music and around film and around entertainment and that's not to say that we you know we don't we don't like the Avengers or, you know, we don't talk about um, Love Island or we don't talk about kind of other areas um, or the bodyguard or Fleabag. Or of course we do, but we always try and strive to actually not just be talking about them for the sake of talking about them. That's what the other presenters are there for. We are there to find a news line for it and talk about the news angle of of entertainment stories. We had Paul Royal on the podcast recently, who is the editor of the BBC Six and Ten O'Clock News, and he was talking about how the Six and the Ten differ from one another in terms of their mix of stories, like the Ten is slightly longer, slightly more internationalist. Is there a newsbeat balance of stories? What would an ideal programme look like in terms of the pie chart? So I guess we always like, and this is going to sound really old-fashioned because it is an old-fashioned saying that somebody said to me we do like light and shade so we don't like it to all be really really heavy stuff so we do think about making sure we don't leave the listener 
um, sat there down in the dumps um, and actually wondering what to do with life. We do try to, so if we're t- tackling a, a, a serious topic like, I don't know, eating disorders, we, we try and make sure we give the listener or the reader or the viewer something that they can use to help them if they are experience that sort, experiencing that sort of thing. So we try not to just ever have a programme where it's just all kind of doom and gloom but we know our audience like those stories, like us to seek out those stories that are inspirational as well, or those stories that where somebody has turned a corner and turned things around. Um, so we just always make sure that, that we are doing our best to do that as well. And of course, you know, being Radio 1 and 1 Extra, we, we have access to some of the biggest stars um, in the world in terms of musicians, and we, we strive, our entertainment team's uh, great, and they strive to get those interviews and get those exclusives as well which are often sometimes a a bit lighter uh, inverted commas than the rest of the news but I think probably only it's only us news bods who think of news as kind of light and oh that's lighter story or that's a featurey story if if you haven't heard it before for our audience it's news back in the good old days when you took the times every morning and watched the news at 10 and that was it it was more appointment to view how have the plurality of different platforms changed your journalism because now people are listening to linear radio but they're also listening to it on iplayer catch up there's the podcast the bbc has hugely embraced it via the sounds app how has that changed your journalism you were talking about exploring issues like eating disorders they seem ripe for longer form journalism we have it's been a really really long time i would say five six maybe seven years since we just thought of ourselves as radio you know we have a fully operating online operation so we're writing articles we're making social videos we are making iplayer documentaries you know we 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 have stuff that goes out on our youtube channel and basically we are where our audience is so i don't think it's something you can be snobby about and think oh, well, young people looking on Instagram, I don't want to go on Instagram, or I don't want to go on Snapchat. Uh, you know, our job is is as a public service broadcaster to get our news to as many people as possible. And you can't do that if you're just focusing on radio. You know, if you look at Radio 1, they do phenomenally well on YouTube. You know, and, and I think it would be really strange if people just thought, oh, Radio 1's just a radio station. It's absolutely not. And it is important, of course it's important for us to make sure that people know that it's coming from the BBC. And that that is more about us focusing on making sure our branding is right. But as for the platforms and how we get it to young people, we we can't be snobby about that. We've got to go where they go. And if they leave a platform, then we leave a platform. You know, it's 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 as simple as that, really, or else you're just not going to survive in this day and age. You can't turn the clock backwards to the days where everybody just made their appointment to to listen when you wanted them to listen. And how have the metrics driven your editorial decision? Back in the good old days, a newspaper would only know just how many it sold on the newsstand, or for radio it would be Rajar, or the viewing figures for telly. Now, even with my podcast, I can tell how many people have clicked, what drove them there, how long they listened for, and at what point I became boring, and the so-called abandonment point all of that how do you connect with your audience i think everybody used to just pretty much chase clicks and of course you do there's no point in doing stuff if say nobody's listening to it or nobody's reading it but there are things that are more important i think or as important like engagement and like you say how long are people listening for how long are people watching something for how are they sharing it you know if you see the, a look at um, your content being shared on facebook 
how are they sharing it what are the comments and what type of people are they sharing it with and um, it's really trying to engage with your audience a bit more on that front and also talk to them on those platforms and we we still get actually get a lot of emails still it's um I know maybe it's people at work or but we still get a lot of emails and it's about making sure you are still talking to the audience and not just thinking oh it's all social media now or nobody texts in anymore or nobody emails or it's all it's all kind of all done in the ether it, it's not it's just about making sure that you're not just taking and you are engaging and chatting and giving something back to the audience and without being overly august about the question as it were do you feel a special sense of responsibility as the bbc as a public service broadcaster to connect with young people because a commercial broadcaster might have a token offering to make a bit of money and then say well we're not going to do it because there's not enough money in it and that would be a fair decision but you guys have a special responsibility to connect with hard to reach audiences absolutely and I feel really passionately about that which is why I've kind of done pretty much every job at Newsbeat um, and I real feel really passionately that that we have a duty to give young people a voice and to tell their stories not just explain the world to them it, it is a two-way street and actually it is to help them as a public service broadcaster it is to help them help them through life kind of I guess especially in these these years when you're trying to make up your mind about things it's just about making sure they've got all the tools all the facts they know both sides of the stories then they can make up their own own mind and it's about keep making sure we're keeping keeping at that and keeping that in mind and always keeping the audience in mind you know I think it's really important and really important for the BBC that they actually do engage with young people now because it's critical it's about talking to them on their level and being where they are and finding finding and exploring new ways to attract them like bbc sounds is is you know it's it's a it's a massive massive project that we've launched as the bbc with our intent being to attract younger audiences um through podcasts and that's a massive statement to make and it's about continuing to to actually you know maybe sometimes go against the grain or take that risk um having the right kind of programming and us as newsbeat having the right kind of stories and making sure that those stories appear on other outlets as well so you know quite often we will do a piece and a story and it will appear on on a victoria derbyshire show or on breakfast or even the six and ten we recently had our gaming reporter from gaming baftas who did piece for the six and for the ten you know it's it's about us as well pushing our stuff out there and pushing young people's forward as a as voices to be reckoned with and not just coming to them on the topics that you think you should come to them on you know like college or education or uh, knife crime even (laughs) or music you know that's not all young people do and talk about and represent and think about you know there are some very talented talented young people uh, in the UK and we should tap into that more I think as as the media as a whole. And what's your impact internationally? Because I appreciate your remit is the UK, but you must have a lot of international listeners. We do have a lot of international YouTube followers, um, for example, because some of the content we put out there that people couldn't find in their own countries, content like that. So we'd re- we a couple of years ago did a uh, documentary where we took two um, transgender men back to Jamaica, and that's where they came from. But they'd grown up in the UK and that did really well internationally because it's a topic that you wouldn't see covered by a certain media in that area. 
we've also recently done a world um, BBC World commissioned us to do a series on what it's like being 17 uh, in different places around the world which was really successful and really interesting and informative and you know we went to places like Uganda and Ghana and India Russia it's like it, and it's it's just interesting to see how other people are living their lives as well and other people's take on the world so I don't I think our audience has got more and more internationalists young people aren't so focused just on their world but they also are so they're a bit of a contradiction which is why it's tricky to work with young audiences and they they let us know when the when they think that we're not covering the right agenda i wonder if there's a kind of natural loss of people like me that would i mean when you mentioned what it's like to be 17 around the world that struck me as an incredibly interesting piece of journalism that frankly because it's newsbeat and i'm not a young person anymore i might not necessarily have clicked on and that's to my loss is there a cut-off point? Do people self-cut off? I think people sometimes, sometimes they they might think that they should cut off, and some people do. Some people do want kind of a, you know a, a different level of news, so they might go to to, to the Today program or, or you know or another outlet uh, for news, or they might go to Five Live, or um, but quite often I hear sort of older people like my older brother is a good example is he makes people listen to newsbeat in his office before they leave so they can catch up on the day's news and because it's easy it's easy to consume so he even though he's way outside the target age he still thinks okay if i want to know what's going on quickly i'm gonna listen so you know <laughs> you can't even though it's not intended for um you know an older audience outside of 30 people still listen because we tell the news simply. As editor, what's top of your to-do list at the moment, other than get the shopping in? Like, strategically, what's the big thing you've got on? Or is there multiple things? I guess for us, um, we're thinking a lot about audio as a proposition, podcasts. Um, we've we've done a few podcasts. Um, we've done a couple, both of which are award-winning, I'm pleased to say. We've done um, the story of Izzy Dix and a podcast called I Hear Voices. Um, and we have uh, some more podcasts coming out in May around mental health. So we're looking at the, our, our role in, in that kind of arena. But also, we, we can't ever forget that we still have around 8 million listeners every week. So the radio is really important to maintain that standard. And my team is just super creative uh, and thinking in ways that I don't think most of the rest of the BBC thinks or even I don't know the rest of the media, maybe. Um, but they are super creative and keep coming up with different ways to tackle subjects. And, and it's really important we don't lose sight of the fact that we can't suddenly just say oh radio's dead we don't need to focus on that we just focus on online but equally online is important to us we sort of joined with the main new site uh, a year ago and that's going really well so more people are seeing our content and more young people are seeing our content um, so that's really important to us to maintain that and help change the tone of of the entire news site, I would hope, and the tone of the rest of the BBC and its approach to young people, because we're in a prized position to do so, to to help our colleagues. Um, our collaboration, another big thing for us um, this year. I mentioned World, um, but we have kind of other irons in the fire that we're looking at uh, collaborating with and just making sure that we can get these great stories that's, that are out there 
out to a bigger audience, really. Yeah, and we're still making our iPlayer documentaries for Radio 1, uh, which are varied. Um, so, we, you know, we, our last one, we followed Dillian White as he tried to pursue a heavyweight title bout um, with Anthony Joshua. We followed him for eight months, so great access. And that appeared in lots of places, not just the BBC. Uh, we're looking at doing one on migraines next. So they're very varied. We've done ones on ME. We've done ones on what it's like to uh, go bald when you're young from a male and female perspective because I think most people have maybe thought about it from a male perspective but not from a female perspective um, and it's really important for me uh, and for Newsbeat that we make sure we're telling those tales and they are diverse tales diverse stories and we keep giving our audience voice. You clearly speak with evident passion about your job and connecting with audiences like you're doing. And you've mentioned that you've done every single job within Newsbeat. So the question is, why? What is it that attracted you to this type and style of journalism that has kept you still at it? I started in newspapers because I could always write. Um, I was always a good writer and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But then I very sort of quickly thought... Uh, radios a lot more quicker, a lot more immediate for me. So I... Um, Moonlighted. So I worked five days a week at a bi-weekly newspaper in Southport. Mm -hmm. And then at the weekends, I moonlighted at uh, uh, Rock FM in Preston. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that, and then I got into radio full time. Um, so uh, it's just, I just like the immediacy of it. Um, and quite early on in my career at Newsbeat, I was asked to commission documentaries, which were hour-long documentaries, working with indies as well as internally. And I just absolutely loved that, the chance to get in-depth on those stories. So even though I've been here a while, I've done lots of things. So I've done the reporting, I've done the editing, uh, the commissioning um, of documentaries, I've edited the programme, I've been online editor, I've been planning editor, uh, been deputy editor, and now I'm editor. I do feel there is a lot that's still to be done because everybody's in a bit of a transition period and trying to cope cope with grabbing everybody's attention. The mobile changed everything for everyone in terms of getting people's attention because you can get everything on your phone. So why are you going to come to the BBC? And that's a challenge for us all. And we, we I think there is lots that Newsbeat can still do uh, around that. So... Yeah, I haven't decided what next yet, quite. It seems to me that we're in a kind of time and attention-poor society these days. We had an editor of a paper in about a year or so ago said that in the good old days, the Sun's main competitor was the Mirror. Now the Sun's main competitor is the Netflix app icon, which is next to it on the phone. You know, everything, Facebook, all social, people are competing against. If I look at my Facebook feed, it's what my friends are doing, but it's also the latest posts from, say, Barack Obama or the New York Post on Newsbeat. It just seems to be all in the mix these days. It really is, and more people squeeze in more activities into such a short space of time than they used to as well. Um, but the, I, I, you can't turn that back now, so you just have to find ways of uh, riding that wave and actually turning it to your advantage. So it's challenging, but quite exciting in terms of opportunities as well for, for the BBC especially. Do you see a sense of responsibility that Newsbeat is a kind of beacon of change within the BBC more widely? In terms of diversity, you've spoken about where they are now integrating with the website, attracting different audiences. Do you feel a special sense of responsibility, even within the BBC? Yeah, absolutely. I do feel that it is 
it is our job to actually affect change across the board where it needs to be changed obviously you know we're not going to go and sweep in and and suddenly say that we think the today program should be different and should they should play music beds under it etc but we have we have had our, our stories and our content run on on today it's about kind of finding the right tone for the the audience but still telling that story that's important you know we do have pieces that go out on pm you know pieces that go out on five live and as i said it also on the tv and i think that's really important that we are playing that role more and more of just bringing those different sorts of stories out and there's more diverse stories and more importantly those authentic stories because i think there are a lot of people who try to do young and don't perhaps do it very well are you kind of pulled in different directions sometimes within the BBC? I mean, I've watched all episodes of W1A's research, but, you know, given that you're doing so well, if I was head of a different department within the BBC, I'd want to nick all of your ideas and try and get as much of your energy and creativity. Do you find that you are nicked and volunteered onto some of the boards? Yeah, yeah, quite quite a <laughs> bit. But I, I, don't think, um, I don't think you can be in a position whereby you kind of felt maybe that not enough attention was paid paid to uh, news for young people and then suddenly think okay there's too much attention now I don't want it you just have to find a way to navigate through it I think because it's important and you know I do try and give give my time where I can and give my ideas where I can um, because I do think it is there are enough of them for people to tell it's not a case of this is our territory and and nobody else can touch it it may be that we think or we know that we can tell it in a better way, which is different to to saying nobody else should touch this. But it's about kind of trying to influence the whole of the BBC into a different more relaxed way of thinking I would say and does this job keep you young because I remember in my mid-twenties there was almost like a moment when I deliberately stopped listening to Radio 1 and started listening to Ken Bruce on Radio 2 who is of course a legend and when I officially declared myself proto-middle-aged you know none of us are getting any younger but you're still doing youth journalism is that because you are absorbed in it day to day and it's keeping you young yeah in some ways and also I think it's really important to have a diverse team not in just in terms of of race or gender but also in terms of age it's really really important that we have a wide range of people in terms of age and experience and knowledge because while the younger members of the team might bring a certain story that uh, an older member might not bring to realize that story they need the experience of an older member of the team and so you know we have people from 19 upwards on our team and it's really important not to think okay all our team we need to get rid of everyone who's over the age of 25 and just bring in lots of young people though we do need to bring in more young people and learn from them and realize that it is a a two-way street well, young people themselves aren't ageist either. You only have to look at the phenomenon of, say, Jeremy Corbyn, for example, who some people say is an old giffer. He said that himself. And yet, on the other hand, he connects incredibly well with young people because they see past his age and look to his authenticity as a politician. I don't agree with his politics, but I believe he believes it, and that's got to mean something. Yeah, authenticity is so important for a young audience. And it's, again, in terms of the correspondence we use, you know, we have had John Sopel do... Uh, the US correspondent do 
stuff for us we've had frank gardner do stuff for us it's not about age it's about authenticity as well um you know and if somebody is an expert in something uh, then they will get on air if they're a good talker because again it's about sound and production as well um and who can get the message across in the simplest way um, and it is it is just about having that range, I would say. Tell us about the videos you're doing on iPlayer then, because they seem to be having a huge impact. Yeah, they again, this is from my team just learn. It's, my team is a multimedia team. They are truly multimedia. You know, they might be on a shift whereby they're reading the news bulletin, writing an online article, creating a video or making a documentary. And the thing about the iPlayer documentaries is that Actually, they are all ideas suggested by the team and then we build on them. And what is really important to us is that the subject, the contributor, is front and centre. So lots of them don't have reporters in, but they have reporters behind them. And we just try and pick topics that also I think people don't think of young people in certain lights so like we did one on young undertakers who were in their 20s well two of them were 17 training to be an undertakers and there was a chap who was in his 20s who has an undertaking business and we did a documentary on that and it was just so just the care of which this uh one of the young trainees this young woman took while painting the nails of somebody's gran who died was just you just don't expect to see that sort of thing. So I think our, our documentaries are all about kind of exposing a subject you wouldn't necessarily think about, you know, like Emmy, that that was oh, kind of one of our really strong documentaries uh, from last year, just focusing on what it is and what the latest research is and trying to give people a sense of what it what it was like. Just really important for those docs to be really authentic and have the right people in. Um, We did a doc called My Mind and Me, where we followed six uh, listeners, actually. They were listeners, um, who had different mental health um, conditions, had been diagnosed with different mental health conditions, and we followed them over the course of a year, pretty much, so we could show the ups and downs. And I don't think there are many people commercially who would even consider that project, but we felt it was really, really important. Um, and it had such huge impact on our audience. Yeah, it was it was well worthwhile. So we we try and tackle subjects whereby you learn something um, or discover something or identify with some something. You know, same for the boldness documentary. And when you buy a newspaper like The Guardian, you expect it to have a kind of left-of-centre approach. And if you bought The Times, you'd expect it to be right-of-centre. Now, in terms of the generational focus that you're dealing with young people, is there any tension between generations? And how would you cover that? So, for example, Brexit. It's a fact that largely older people voted leave, and the younger you are, the much more likely you are to have voted remain. So is there potentially a generational tension there? And do you take the side of young people? We do reflect that, but we also acknowledge that actually if you move out of the M25 and go upwards, the age difference becomes less of a factor. You know, if you go to the northwest of England and talk about Brexit, then you don't get as much disparity necessarily as you do if you're in the south. So it is just making sure that we give equal opportunity for those arguments to be heard and challenged on both sides 
and I don't think I don't think I found I think that most people think that we would find that tension being a lot more but I don't think we've found that in terms of our listeners we've we've done, covered brexit in the sea on surfboards with two surfing friends who had differing views about it and they're both young it's 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 about making sure that we're not going with the assumption just totally along the lines of saying all young people wanted to remain all old people wanted to leave uh, because it's just not it's it's just too complex for that so so we just make sure we keep in all that context do you have a unique angle on issues of particular relevance to young people like knife crime and gun violence when they are statistically evidentially much more likely to be victims of gun and knife violence yeah um we we try again to make sure we are getting that authentic voice so it's not just coming at it from one way so it's not just coming at it from oh draw music is to blame or all young black men do this and this is why and they shouldn't it's a bit more complex than that so you know we recently had had a very successful um video an article of a guy who who is has been to jail is rehabilitated and he explained why he he carried a knife and why he stabbed somebody and it was a lot more complex than the kind of general that you've you've heard um, and to the point of, you know, we know that our, certainly our audience are on one extra, the reaction from them and the, and the teams around the building was, that, OK, that's the first time I've ever heard somebody speak just authentically about the realities without, you know, we were still challenging, of course, but you still need to hear what people have to say and how they felt and their experience. So it's really important um, for us that we don't rush in and look at things from the same angle. And it's also, again, about the context, though, as, as well, because, you know, things like knife crime, you would assume, I think, from a lot of the coverage, that it is just a black problem, but it's not. If you look at the actual stats, there are far more white people being stabbed than black people. Maybe not in London, but overall, you know, it's, it's about making sure we don't lose sight of, yes, it's the problem, but we don't lose sight of the context. And that's what I think sometimes other places do that we try not to, really try not to. It's all about context. Um, and it's about getting those different variety of voices so that people can then make up their own minds. Does it frustrate you when certain middle-range tabloids merely want to condemn and sensationalise headlines like that? It doesn't seem to be helpful to society to stoke the flames of this kind of practice. Tabloids would perhaps argue they wouldn't do it if people didn't buy it i don't know if i would say that that is is that their role um it's probably a wider conversation for the entire media of what your role is but in terms of kind of the tabloids taking a certain line well they very know their readers very well they're reflecting their readers views What's been the best day of your career so far? And the final question, what piece of advice would you give to someone starting out in journalism now that listening to this thinks, you know, in a decade or two, I want to be the editor of Newsbait. What advice would you give them? Now, my best day is really rubbish. Best day of my career, and I shouldn't say this, this is not even newsy, really. Best day of my career was when I was at Capital uh, on the breakfast shift. and Patrick Stewart came in. Uh, He came in. The sports guy told him that I was a massive fan, but I couldn't go and meet him because I thought I was going to be sick. 
I just couldn't. So um, one of the reporters printed out a picture and he wrote me a note on a picture. I know that's not very newsy. <laughs> and if an ambitious person listening to this is starting out on a journalism career now thinks, I want to be the editor of Newsbeat, what should he or she do or not do? Keep learning. Don't tread on anyone to get there. Don't claim credit for work that's not yours. Um, keep coming up with ideas and being open to people challenging those ideas and changing your mind. Uh, and also don't get bogged down in other people's hang-ups because I think if I had got bogged down in other people's hang-ups I wouldn't be where I am today. If I'd got bogged down in the person who thinks, oh, well, that's a bit strange, she's a black woman who's in a, pa- a position of leadership and got back down in their, back bogged down in their uh, agenda, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Debbie, I think you're awesome and I think you're an inspiration. Thank you ever so much for your time. A Right Angles podcast in association with Big Things Media.